This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. It is Friday, April the 14th, 2023 at 8.32 in the morning. And it's time for the latest edition of the Bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. At Bet Rivers, man, Bet Rivers, it's the best website. It's the most user-friendly in terms of getting all the lines you need. I use it every morning to make my best bets. And by the way, on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show yesterday, I had two Bet Rivers picks, and I nailed them both. If you're listening to me for baseball, you're on fire right now. I am eight and four picking baseball games so far. I had Tampa Bay winning their 12th straight by one and a half. They covered. I had the Pirates as an underdog yesterday, and they won five nothing, even with Vince Velasquez, who pitched a great game. So there you go. So let's start in baseball. A lot to get to, to today. We'll get to baseball. We'll get to the uh, Rays winning streak here. <clears throat> get to the NBA playoffs later. Uh, the the, the uh, Washington Commanders have a new owner. So a lot to get to, and it's all coming up right here the, on the bullpen or in the bullpen or on the bullpen, whatever you want to say, uh, with Adam the Bull, part of the Bet Rivers Network. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull. All right, let's get right to it. Um, I mentioned that uh, the Rays won their 12th straight with my backing, and that's probably the only reason they won. Uh, we talked a little bit about it on the live stream yesterday, if you heard it. If you didn't, uh, obviously another great game. The Rays... Lost their starting pitcher, Jeffrey Springs, in this one. And uh, he was, and, and he'd been pitching great. He had a great season last year, his first year as a starter. First two starts, he hadn't given up a run. Leaves the game early. Red Sox are up 3-1, and the Rays come back. And in their 12 wins, 10 of them are by four or more. And only one is one run. It was a one-run win. So if you if you'd bet the Rays on the run line every game, you'd be 11-1 and one right now. Rays have played bad teams. Their toughest opponent is today. So tonight, can they now the 12 straight wins to start the season? Excuse me, 13. I'm saying 12 over and over again, but 13. Last night was the 13th to tie the record for most wins to start a season. So the Rays are 13-0. The argument has been they played nothing but bad teams. Okay, they beat, they've beaten, they have uh they've beaten Boston four times, uh, Oakland. Detroit and Kansas uh, and Washington, not Kansas City. So they've played four bad teams. Fine. Well, for the first time, they're playing a team that's pretty good, and that's Toronto. Toronto's off to an eight and five start. The Rays have tied the major league record all time in the modern era since 1900. This, they're now the third team to win 13 in a row to start the season. The Orioles did it once. The Braves did it once. Can they become the first team ever to start the year 14 and 0? The Rays, despite this. Uh, they're not a huge favorite today. I saw the the line uh, the um, the money line just changed slightly at Bet at Bet River Sportsbook. Uh, Rays are minus one twenty three. The Blue Jays are plus one ten. Obviously, the Jays are a good team. They're at home. Um, the pitching matchup for this one today 
what time is the game? 7.07. We got Drew Rasmussen for the Rays and Jose Barrios for the Blue Jays. Rasmussen, like pretty much everybody on the Rays right now, because they've barely given up any runs, off to a great start. Rasmussen, how about this? In his two starts, I understand it's Washington. I understand it's Oakland. His team's gotten him 13 runs. That helps. But nonetheless, he has pitched 13 innings so far, Drew Rasmussen. He's allowed three base runners. Three in 13 innings, two starts. Uh, you're still playing major league teams. They may be two of the worst major league teams, but they're major league teams. He gave up one hit in seven innings against Oakland. He gave up two hits in six innings against Washington. He has not walked a batter. He is not allowed to run, and he has 15 strikeouts over his 13 innings. Obviously, two easy wins. Um, against Toronto, Toronto... Um, and Jose Barrios on the mound. Jose Barrios, I'll tell you, is one of the most he- head-scratching players in all of baseball. When Jose Barrios first came to the big leagues, I, like many other people, thought he would be a star. And at times, he has pitched like a star, especially early in his career in Minnesota. Um, he finished in 2021... Just two years ago, he finished. He finally got to that level where he, he um, finished ninth in the Cy Young at a 3.52 ERA. Uh, was allowing just over a base runner per inning. Uh, and then in the middle of that season, in the 2021 season, he got traded to Toronto, and he still pitched well in Toronto. In fact, his strikeout rate went up at the end of the year and pitched well in 12 starts, 70 innings for the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays then signed him to an extension at the end of that season. And, you know, he had had a 408 career ERA in Minnesota, which, you know, that's pretty good for a young pitcher. And he had been under four in four of his five, uh, four of his six seasons there. But since coming to Toronto, again, in the 2021 season, when he came over and trade, he pitched well. But even with those 12 starts, 70 innings and a 358 ERA in Toronto in 2021, between last year and this year, he now has a five ERA since going to the Blue Jays. And so it's got to be a lot higher than that. It's, it's last year at a 523 ERA, so far he's been killed. He has allowed 214 hits more than any other pitcher in baseball since the start of last year. 214 hits. He's allowed 112 earned runs more than any other pitcher in baseball the last two years. And that's in 181 innings. Awful. He's given up 30 home runs. He's allowed 48 walks. And he has only 161 strikeouts. The numbers um, have tanked. Now, the strikeout numbers so far this year, 12 Ks and 92 thirds, that's good. That's a good K rate. But he is not the same guy right now. I, I thought he'd bounce back this year. Maybe he will. It's only two starts. Don't want to go crazy. Uh, and he's been a durable guy. He's never really missed significant time, uh, not including the COVID year, obviously. But even in the COVID year, he pitched 12 starts, which is the most he could really pitch that year. And he he, went, he pitched in 26 uh, games his rookie year. Since then, 32, 32, 12 in the COVID year, which was the most. 32, uh, 32 last year. So the guy go, takes the post every time. He's never really been hurt in eight years. But he is not the same pitcher. So, uh, to me, the play here is you could bet the the Rays outright 
Um, that's what I would do. Now, you can get them on the run line at minus one and a half, plus 118. But uh, the Blue Jays got a good lineup, too. And so I would I do like the Rays to win. I, w- I would bet them straight up instead of on the run line, even though it's better money on the run line. Um, but the Rays, it's hard to bet. And, and you want to be, you want to watch the game because it's part of history, right? You have to be the first team ever to win 14 games. I think the Rays get it done today. I really do. Uh, my best bet of the day, though, is is actually not that game. We go to the, the team that the Rays beat yesterday to win their 13th straight, and that's the Red Sox. We go against the Red Sox in a game that uh, dozens of you will be able to watch on Apple TV at 7-10. Angels-Red Sox tonight. Uh, Tanner Houck's going to be on the hill for Boston. He's pitched okay but uh, my guy Pablo Sandoval is on the hill for the Angels. I think, you know, and it, for an Angels team that um, has been a huge disappointment uh, by, to a lot of people. It seems like every year people pick the Angels to be better. They never are. I always pick them to be bad. I picked them to be bad again this year. They're off to a good start, 7-5. and five. They've won their last two. Uh, but Pablo Sandoval, uh, Pablo, pa- pa- Pablo, the former hitter, Patrick Sandoval has been one of the few bright spots in a pitching staff that most years, could, you know, stinks outside of Shohei Otani. And Patrick Sandoval's a, a young pitcher. He's 26 years old. And um, last year he had a fantastic season. Uh, he had a 291 ERA. He's really been, outside of Otani, he's been their best pitcher since uh, 2021. Uh, and he's off to a good start this year. He's not a big strikeout guy, so um, you know he's not. Or at least I, I shouldn't say that. He's been a perfectly adequate strikeout guy so far this year. He hasn't been a big strikeout guy, but he, he, uh, he but he's but but despite that, despite the fact that he only has four strikeouts this year, he's only allowed he's only allowed a base runner per inning, even though he hasn't fully locked in with the com, with the command yet. So I expect him to pitch well. I expect him to go to Boston and win the game. So I like the uh, the Angels uh, to on the on the money line to beat the uh, Red Sox. The Angels are minus one. Oh, look at that! Went just as I speak, just went from minus one fifteen to minus one thirteen with the Angels. Constantly changing at Bet Rivers. There you go. So. Anyway, those are some picks in in uh, baseball. Not a lot of great pitching matchups in Major League Baseball today. It's kind of a weak slate pitching wise, so not not a ton of exciting games to get you worked up about. Um, uh, the interesting matchups this weekend: the Cubs are playing the Dodgers in L.A. <clears throat> Noah Syndergaard pitches for the Dodgers. That guy has not been the same. I thought he was going to be a star. I think a lot of people did. A lot of injuries. Mike Clevenger, who pitches for the White Sox today, I think. Let's double-check that. Yeah, he's another guy. I thought it was going to be so great coming up. He's pitched all right so far for the White Sox. But he he overall hasn't been great. Uh, Yankees starting a series at home against the Twins. It's going to be hot in the Bronx. We know the Twins are like – the Yankees are kryptonite for the Twins. They can never play well. They never play well against the Yankees. But not a lot of top pitchers going. Uh, we have former top pitchers like Madison Bumgarner, who's you know, more of, of a bum these days. No offense. Can you say no? That just doesn't take it away. When you when you insult somebody and then say no offense, 
it, it you're still being offensive. I mean, I have offended. I don't think he cares. He probably doesn't know who the hell I am. Um, I, in fact, I shouldn't even say probably. He has no clue who I am. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, the Mets get to play the A's this weekend. I like told you I like the Pirates yesterday. They're playing good baseball right now. They're at the Cardinals, uh, Brewers, Padres. That's an interesting series. Not a not a great uh, pitching matchup necessarily, but a fun series. But it's a lot of good team versus bad team uh, matchups. The Rays, Blue Jays is probably the best series of the weekend. We'll see if they're, you know, how long the Rays can keep this streak going now that they're on the road and playing the best team they've played so far this season. One other thing I wanted to mention for baseball before I, I switch gears to the NFL, uh, Javi Baez, who was a favorite of mine when he was on the Cubs. Uh, for those who don't know, I am a, a big Cubs fan. and But I didn't, I thought it was smart for the Cubs to let Javi Baez walk. He signed a big contract with Detroit last year. He had a terrible season. He's off to a terrible start. They're a terrible team. And yesterday uh, in the game, I can't remember who they were playing now, but but he had a double, and he, there was a fly ball to the outfield. He thought there were two outs. There was only one out. And so he went running off. Of, first of all, he didn't hustle into second base. Now, he, probably, he had no chance at a triple, so it didn't matter, but he thought he had a home run. That drives me crazy in general. That's not him. That happens all the time. I'll get into the, the deeper thing there. But um, he so he took off from second base as if there was there was two outs in the inning, which there wasn't. So they doubled him off. And then A.J. Hinch, the Tigers manager, benched him. Now, Bias had no problem with this. Good for him. He handled it properly. And A.J. Hinch did the right thing. I think a lot of two, a lot of times managers are scared because the players make a lot of money and have a lot of power, they're scared to discipline. You don't have to humiliate a guy. And I don't, I don't you know, benching for cause is legit. You know, Javi Baez is not a, a, a slacker. I mean, he's a hard-nosed player. He's been a really good player. He's struggling. He's frustrated. He's probably annoyed that he signed with the Tigers. He's probably embarrassed that he signed this big contract and he's not playing well. Javi Baez is a good player who's not playing well. I he may be, you know, some guys are good and then they go off a cliff early. It happens in all sports, especially in baseball. We've seen it a million times. He has the type of game that is not likely to last very long because he's undisciplined at the plate. But he plays with a ton of energy, a ton of flair. I've watched him get play a million times. He's a hardworking player. It's not like he's slacking out there. Uh, but, you know, you, you make a stupid mistake, you got to pay the price. That's it. Doesn't have to be held against him forever. But uh, he had the right attitude about it. Now go out there and play hard today. That, that's simple. I, I do have to say that I think in general in baseball, there's too much. We think we hit a home run, so we're going to stand there. Like it, it, it's not when, when a player makes an error. And I know this is a silly comparison. It's obviously not apples to apples. All right. But. I coach my son's little league team. And what I say to the kids on the first day of practice is the kids, when they make an error, often the kids will apologize to me. And I tell them, you have nothing to apologize for. You, you, you have to be, um, I tell them, my, the only thing you have to apologize for is if you're a sore loser, a bad teammate, or you don't, you don't try your best. If you're trying your best, if you're a good teammate, and you're not a sore loser, you have nothing to apologize for. Errors are part of the game. Mistakes happen. You, As long as you're trying your best, as long as you're being a good teammate, you got nothing to apologize for. And it's the same thing here. 
you know, you got to and 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 now obviously, you know, if one of my kids runs with one out, I'm not going to get I'm not going to bench him because I, I'm not kids are, uh, you know, nine and ten year old kids are not always expected to be uh, perfect with how many outs there are. But in the major leagues, that's part of like being on top of the game. That's another thing. You got to be on top of the game. You got to know what's going on. There's no excuse to not know the situation in a major league baseball game. He didn't. He got he not suspended. He got benched. He's obviously not going to get suspended. He he handled it properly after. And I think it sent a good message to a young team that's not very good, that is struggling again, that has been struggling for years. I think it was a good message that that but that AJ Hinch sent because the Tigers, as, as I just said, are a very young team. Javi Baez is not a young player. He's supposed to be leading by example. And in this case, he set a bad example. I think generally he sets a good example. In this case, he set a bad one. It was disciplined. And if I'm a young player on the team, I'm like, wow, look at that. You know, even the veteran player signed for a ton of money. You know, one of the highest paid players on the team, maybe the highest after after Miguel Cabrera is still, you know, collecting a paycheck there. But uh, one of the highest, if not the highest player, paid player on the team, he didn't do the right thing and he got benched. I, I think that sends a good message. And I think A.J. Hinch did a good job there. Uh, Car- uh, uh, Carlos, uh, not Carlos. Um, What's his name? They could, the nickname is Oil. I can't think of his first name, Marmol, who is the Cardinals manager, kind of did the same thing with Tyler O'Neill. And Tyler O'Neill did not handle that well, apparently. There's been some controversy there. Was he hurt? I don't know. But they're not, you know, they're not playing well either. And that wasn't that's kind of a shaky situation right now to keep an eye on that the players maybe haven't reacted to that one as well. But I think in this case, it was warranted and handled well by everybody involved. So good job by uh, AJ Hinch. I don't know if it's going to help him keep his job because that team is so bad, but we shall see. All right, let's switch gears to the uh, <clears throat> to the NFL. Yesterday, it was announced that the Washington Commanders. I I hate that name, by the way. And by the way, I'm not one of these. Oh, you can't change the name, guys. Uh, I, I'm definitely not one of those guys. The, Washington, more than any of the team obviously needed to change their name i just think the commanders was a bad choice couldn't we have been couldn't we come up with something better than the commanders i don't know i don't know why i hate that one so much anyway not not uh really important um the daniel snyder sold the team for 6.05 billion dollars um and that is $1.4 billion more than the Broncos were sold for, I think, just last year. So it's the highest price ever paid for an American sports team. Um, Daniel Snyder, by the way, purchased Washington. Let's see, Monzo, let's see if you can guess this. Have you seen the price that, that Snyder paid for Washington in 1999? I'd say uh, five thousand dollars. No, no, I don't know. Like, uh, I'd say one hundred and fifty million. Well, not that low, but it's under a billion. So he paid eight hundred million in nineteen ninety nine, and now twenty four years later, he sells the team for six point oh five billion dollars. So he made what six times? He gets six times what he paid for it. And here's the amazing part, if you think about this. Not only did he make six times what he paid for it, but he was the worst owner in football. I I I don't even think there's an argument. And I've ripped the Browns owner here in Cleveland, Jimmy Haslam, uh, 
Now, Jimmy Haslam was only he's only been here for 10 years as opposed to Daniel Snyder, who's been running that franchise for 25 years. Washington, I, I think there's very little debate that not only is he was he the worst owner in the NFL, both on and off the field. But he may be the worst owner in all of American sports right now. Certainly he's in the conversation, and I think he leads the conversation. All the ugly things we've heard off the field with, uh, you know, just inappropriate behavior. I'm not going to get into all the details, obviously. The guy seems like a real terrible human being. And and then on the field, uh, he he did everything wrong. He was a meddler, which is the same problem I talk about in Cleveland all the time. Uh, he hired and fired guys quick. He made bad decisions. And the so so for so think about that. He bought the team 24 years ago for 800 million. He sells it for over six billion, despite taking what at the time had been a great like in the late 90s. You st- we we still thought of Washington as a great franchise. They had just won the Super Bowl in nineteen in the ninety one season, the ninety two Super Bowl, and that was you know their third Super Bowl win in a decade. From 1982 to 1992, Washington went to the playoffs eight out of 11 years. They won three Super Bowls during that time. And then, you know, after uh, two years after their last Super Bowl, th- you know, things bottomed out. They had bad seasons in the early 90s. And um, in, in 1999, he buys the team. So even though now in 99, they hadn't gone to the playoffs the last five or six years. So they had not been a good team at that moment, but they still had a couple of seasons over 500 during that time. And when he bought the team in 99, I think we all still thought of Washington as a good franchise that it had a couple of bad years since he bought the team in 99 in the 23 seasons or whatever, they Washington's only made the playoffs six times. I believe they have not won a playoff game. Uh, well, you know what? In 99, when did he actually buy? So in 1999, they actually won a playoff game. The year he took over, they beat the Lions in the wild card, then lost to the Buccaneers. They made the playoffs in 2005. They did win the wild card game then against the Buccaneers before losing to the Seahawks. And then since then, they've made the playoffs four times and lost in the first round. They've just been terrible. I mean, they've been an absolute train wreck franchise. So since 99, six playoff appearances, two and two and eight, uh, two and six in the playoffs. They've won the division three times, but all three times they won the division. Um, well, two of the three times it was a bad division. Remember, they won the division in 2020 in the COVID year when there was seven and nine. They won it nine and seven in, in 15. They did win 10 games in 2012. Um, but they lost in the first round every time. It's been, without a doubt, one of the worst franchises. And even with that, I mean, it's printing money. You could, Washington couldn't be a worse franchise right now, right? I mean, it's just like, he he completely humiliated the franchise. They're, They're thought of it. They went from a once great franchise to a complete joke in the league. And yet, worth six times what he bought him for. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how bad an owner you are, especially in the NFL. But 
really in any sport, but especially in the NFL, it's printing money owning a sports team. Absolutely printing money, which is amazing. All right. Uh, Let's go to the NBA. The NBA playoffs start tomorrow. Um, Oh, wait a second. One more thing I I did want to hit on uh, before we move on to the NBA. The NFL draft is 13 days away. Um, When you look at it right now, it's really interesting because it feels like draft picks are valued less. We're seeing this in the NBA and we're seeing this in the NFL that draft picks are kind of valued less, I think, than they've ever been because teams are more inclined to go the veteran route, to go the trade route, not be worried about it. And if you're a good team, you're not often worried about, like, well, if I don't have a first-round pick, I, I if I believe in my GM, I can find good players in the draft. Now, the Rams have taken it to the extreme, but it did lead to a Super Bowl. They haven't had a first-round pick in forever. They don't have one again uh, this year, but I I, I do think it's noticeable. The teams are much more willing to trade out of the first round than they have been in the past, especially for a quarterback, as we've seen uh, time and time again, because the Browns traded three for Deshaun Watson, didn't even though he was going to play. So that's why it's so stunning that the Lamar Jackson situation, but I still think there's a chance somebody will sign into an offer sheet after the draft. However, one other thing I wanted to hit on the draft is the fact that we could possibly see um, four straight quarterbacks go. Now, I don't proclaim to be a college football expert, an NFL draft expert. And so I could be wrong about this, but I've had pretty good luck with my thoughts on, on quarterbacks in, in, the, in the first, the early drafted quarterbacks. And I see Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. I think they all have potential. I think they might all be good. To some degree, I'm not convinced any of these guys are superstars. Uh, Bryce Young, to me, is just too small. He's got everything else, right? He's got the athletic ability. He's got the leadership. There's some people always talk about the Wonderlick test, but there's another test they do. I can't remember the name of it that uh, kind of grades out your ability to think in a way. And he had like the one of the greatest grades they've ever seen. Like the guy's got it all. But he's listed at 5'10, 204. I mean, he is a tiny guy. I just don't know how he's going to hold up in the NFL. CJ Stroud's a little bigger. But, you know, the thing with Ohio State quarterbacks, and we'll see about Justin Fields, because Justin Fields, at least from a running perspective, did turn a bit of a corner last year. But the, the talent around you at Ohio State, and, and the same thing at Alabama with Bryce Young, but especially at Ohio State right now, because Ohio State is wide receiver university at the moment. Brian Hartline, the former NFL wide receiver, has been the wide receiver coach at Ohio State. He's now the offensive coordinator. This guy gets every big-time prospect at that position to come to Ohio State. It's ridiculous. And I'm just, you know, Ohio State's got all these – He's CJ Stroud's played with like four or five wide receivers that are going to be first round picks that either have been last year. Olave, great player. Garrett Wilson last year. Great player. Jackson Smith and Jigba, whose brother, by the way, is a player for the Pirates. Kanan Smith and Jigba. 
Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be either a late first or a second round pick this year. Marvin Harrison Jr. may be the best of all of these guys if you haven't seen him play. He's gonna he may be the first pick in the draft next year. He'll be a top ten pick if he's healthy. Unless he, you know. So he's played with all these great players, good backs, obviously good offensive line. Same thing in Alabama, but I think he's a good player. I, I just I'm a little concerned. You know, with the tight windows in the NFL, Will Levis from Kentucky and Anthony Richardson from Florida are really interesting. I mean, Anthony Richardson is a monster physically, but why wasn't he better in college? You know, I know Florida isn't what it once was, but it's not like they have scrubs playing there. So he's a guy that has to end up in the right situation. And he's got to sit, and these guys rarely sit. I, I, you know, I'll be fascinated. He blew everybody away at the combine. These guys that move up the draft board, allegedly, I don't buy that guys move up the draft board as much as people say, uh, based on what they do at the combine, always has me concerned. I think Will Levis, who had a bad year this past year, like Richardson's a big kid. He's a senior. He played with nobody at Kentucky. He might be the most intriguing of all these guys. I, I, I like, I do like Levis and Stroud. And I like Bryce Young. I just worry that he's not going to be able to stay healthy at his size in the league. But all four of those guys could go one, two, three, four. Now, right now, uh, Arizona has the third pick in the draft. They just stupidly signed Kyler Murray to a big-time extension. So they're not going to draft a quarterback at three, but they could trade out. Carolina's at one. They're taking a quarterback. Houston at two. I assume we'll take a quarterback. Indies at four. I assume they'll take a quarterback. Um, Seattle's at five. I think they could take a quarterback. Some people think the Lions might at six, and maybe they should. Jared Goff had a hell of a year. He's been very up and down in his career. I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. I mean, you could argue the Raiders need a quarterback at seven. You could argue the Falcons need a quarterback. Not argue. I mean, it seems pretty obvious. They need a quarterback at eight. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go, but there's no way. I mean, these quarterbacks, even if you don't love them, and I don't love any of them, I like three of the four. I don't love any of them. But they're all going to go in the top five picks, six at the most. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. All right, uh, to the NBA now. The playoffs start tomorrow. We do have to play in games still today. Um, and the latest lines on those, I'm going to check them out. Seven o'clock tonight, Bulls heat. Uh, the heater minus five and a half. And then at 930, uh, Oklahoma City at Minnesota. Minnesota's a five-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. Um, I'm going to – I mentioned this before I'm, uh, yesterday in the live stream, but if you missed it, I'm taking the Heat minus five-and-a-half, and I'm taking Oklahoma City on the money line. Uh, plus 180. Forget the points. I think Oklahoma so, – listen, Carl Anthony Towns has an injuries he's dealing with. There's bad chemistry there. Um, I think the, the T-Wolves who, you know, I give them credit. They did play a good game against the Lakers, but they fell apart in the second half. And I think that's a sign of things to come. I think Oklahoma City is going to win this game. Uh, remember, Minnesota's also lost Jaden McDaniels, who is their, um, you know, who's a good young player they have. So we don't know what's happening. Um, with obviously Rudy, Carl Anthony Towns is banged up. Rudy Gobert, that situation's a mess with the bad chemistry. Jaden McDaniels is hurt. So I'll be curious to see, but I think Oklahoma City's going to pull that upset. 
I'm feeling it. So there you go. And then the playoffs start tomorrow. Uh, the first game of the actual playoffs of Brooklyn and uh, Philly. At 1, Atlanta, Boston at 3.30. I think the Celtics are going to win that series in 4. I think the Sixers beat the Nets in 5. I think the uh, Bucks will beat whoever they play in 5. And I, I was, I've was i been hemming and hawing on the Knicks-Cavs. I'm picking the Cavs in 7, I decided. I could go either way. Still concerned about this Julius Randle situation. But in the end, I'm picking the Cavs in seven. That first game is tomorrow in that 4-5 series. I'm taking Golden State to beat Sacramento in six as the sixth seed. I'm taking the Lakers over Memphis in seven as the seven seed. I'm going with the Suns in five over the Clippers. And Denver will beat uh, Oklahoma City or Minnesota in probably four or five games. We'll see if Denver can get through after that. That'll be interesting to see. All right. Uh, thanks, as always, uh, for Bo- uh, to Brian Monzo for producing. Thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, don't forget, I actually haven't mentioned it today, so in case you don't know, maybe the first time, the great Joe Thomas, career Cleveland Brown, will be inducted in the Hall of Fame in August when the Browns play the Jets in the Hall of Fame game. The great Joe Thomas is going to join me right here in the bullpen on Wednesday of next week. That is Wednesday, April the 19th. Joe Thomas right here in the bullpen. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time right here in the bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network.